This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Saul very Delmore. Very special guest. Very mm. special guest. Not Saul. just special, but sorry, <laughs> cutting you off already. <laughs> off to a great start. Yeah. I always like when people... Don't worry, talk. Charlene will cut you off. <laughs> I'm just so excited to be involved, you guys. <laughs> yeah. um, Saul Delmore, Philbin Bowman. I find it hard to say your name without adding also known as Drinks Man. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a common thing, you know. People are people have started singing to me in the street and everything now. They'll like they'll they'll walk up to me. I, so I have this YouTube series. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Started re- relatively recently. It's like a soft drink review show called Dear Drinks that's Man. That's what you were telling me about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I basically, yeah, people are yeah, you're not you're not the first to singing at me in the street, even though <laughs> we're not in the street. But you mean I can imagine this this is kind of you know a street of the mind, if you will. Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite soft drink, Saul? Uh, Coca-Cola. Okay, yeah, yeah sure. fair enough. Yeah, he does a yeah. thing where it's rated out of five, but there is a sixth that you could get, but mm. that's reserved for Coke. Okay, and it's just like regular Coke? Yeah, or? regular okay. Coke is, yeah. Is, is, yeah. is the top. I wonder what our special guest, or not special guest, our subject of this episode thinks of Coke, because um, it's William H. Macy. Yeah, 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 it is William H. Macy. We're chatting about William H. Macy at your request, Saul. I know why, but can we talk about the reason why you wanted to discuss Macy? Just, well, just for listening, because stocks are kind of low on Macy right now. Yeah, that's Absolutely. true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for reasons I don't think we'll, we'll get into too much, but it involved his, his yeah. wife went to the jail. The admission scandal. <laughs> yes, yeah. we'll, we'll call it that. We'll, 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 yeah. like, we'll the admission it now. scandal. Yeah, the admission yeah. scandal, and then we'll move. Yeah. We'll move along. Um, yeah, I just like my favorite movie of all time is Mystery Men, which came out in 1999. It's like an American film. Uh, it's like a superhero spoof that was like way ahead of its time considering that you know super, superhero movies are like oversaturated these days but it's like before all of that and it's basically William H. Macy is one of the main characters he plays a character called the Shoveler and he's just like his superpower is he's really good at shoveling he's just like the best in the whole city I guess at shoveling and like he makes this over the course of the movie into a proper superpower yeah. Cool. Let's do history. Uh, yeah, William H. Macy was born in Florida in 1950. He studied theatre in college. He began his career in theatre and commercials before getting early TV and film roles in the mid-80s. Appeared in the first episode of Law and & Order and many films by David Mamet, an early mentor of his. Uh, Fargo was his big break in 1996, but led to him being typecast as a very worried, slightly pathetic man. Regular work came with this typecasting, as well as a role on Eeyore as Dr. Morgenstern, which is the first time I ever saw him. And since 2011, he has played Frank Gallagher, Gallagher. Gallagher? Who knows? Gallagher. Yeah, maybe. Gallagher, as the Americans call it, I'd yeah. say. Gallagher. On the long-running American version of Shameless. And he is an avid wood-turner. I don't know what that is. Uh, but, <laughs> he was on the you know, cover of some sort of wood-turning magazine yeah, as well. Yeah, I read, I read that as well. That yeah, today, yeah. Like. And he's married to actress Felicity Huffman. Um, so yeah, he's in Mystery Men, basically. It's a great yes. film. Uh, it's from 1999. It was a complete box office failure. But like, every, <laughs> every, everyone is in it. Like um, It is nuts, the cast. Yeah, like you got like, Tom Waits is in there. Jeffrey Rush is the bad guy. You've got Ben Stiller is one of the main characters as well. You've got Hank Azaria. Keen- Kel from Keenan and Kel. Kel from Keenan and Kel. <laughs> he can turn invisible when no one is looking at him. That's like, and then he manages to use this like to, to great effect in the, in the middle of the movie. Like um, he turns around, he basically he's lost all his clothes, and they turn they turn back around. They can they look at him again, and he's like completely naked, and they're like, and then Hank Azaria's like two hands there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, the cast is crazy. Even there's a lot of cameos on it. Michael Bay is on it. Yeah, Michael Bay has a, for like a second and his very funny joke where he's like, "Can we take the Bruce?" He's upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, brilliant. Uh, CeeLo Green. CeeLo Green is in there for a second. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the uh, goodie mob. 
Yes. Although their credit is the not so goody mob in the in that one, <laughs> they're bad guys. You know, it's like a it's like a bad guy symposium type, uh, like a big big meetup for all the bad guy groups, and then yeah, yeah. the CeeLo Green is just there for two minutes. <laughs> is uh, this, doing a little rhyme? Is Judy Greer in that as well? Did we talk about that? No, is this that a is this. Movie? I wanted to bring this up. Yeah. Um, that's the specials, which oh, is oh okay, yeah, a yeah. very similar movie that also failed. <laughs> that also was a big fail. Yeah. That was one, it around the same time, or was it a bit later? It came in a bit later. It was two thousand. But that movie, like, they pretty much have the same premises where. It's they're about like bad superhero teams. Yeah. But the specials, there is no action. They never get a chance to redeem themselves. They're just horrible. Okay. <laughs> they're just really bad. <laughs> and Mystery Men, I think, is a more satisfying movie because yeah. over the course of the narrative, you watch these people who are terrible at their, you know, being a superhero, protecting people, step up to the job. And that's yeah. more satisfying on a normal level. But I kinda respect the specials mm. more because it, it really doubles down on its premise in a way which isn't really satisfying yeah. to watch, but is actually like, oh, this would be what terrible superheroes <laughs> are like. But um I actually think Mystery Men would not work as well as it does if it wasn't for William H. Macy. Bec- I, I agree. Because he's playing this ordinary guy. He has no superhero ability and he's just driven by doing the right thing. Um, he's a working class guy and his yeah. weapon of choice is the shovel uh, he hates guns and like Tom Waits plays a weapons dealer who they... he's a weapons designer who's like it turns out all of his weapons are non-lethal yeah <laughs> and then they're, they're, they're about to walk out and then he's like no no wait let me show you something he throws them like tornado in a can they're like they're convinced of the lethalness of his non-lethal weapons he has a manga <laughs> they're lethal in a kind of Dublin way you know they're yeah, not lethal yeah. like a, in like a, in a more of a uh, <laughs> yeah. law and order kind of way he has a magnet which when you show up Everyone who has guns just go. All the they all go to the magnet. Yeah, it's, really yeah, it's cool. like an electro like nuclear magnet on the top <laughs> of his um, armored car. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think William H Macy. I love his sincerity in the movie, yeah. and he's the only one of the team that you actually think should be a hero, <laughs> and it, yeah. it just makes. It just makes you like them yeah. and make you want them to succeed. Yeah, there's like in one, a way you don't in the specials. There's like mm-hmm. one bit at, near the beginning where he's like, um, he like gets kind of like his wife is sort of you know giving him a hard time. He goes, I shovel well, I shovel very well, and she like puts her hand in his face and she's like, you shovel better than any man I have ever known. But that does not make you a superhero. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, a very interestingly shot scene because it's all close-ups. Yeah, and also she like puts a gloved hand on the camera and then another one because there's meant to be his face. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's two scenes I love with Wayne H Macy in the movie. Um, he, I think he's the best joke in the movie, where. They're testing Ben Stiller, who plays uh, Mr. Furious in the movie, who doesn't really have a superpower. He just gets really angry. Yeah. Yeah. But Ben Stiller, always funny when he's angry. Yeah. Like yeah. That episode of Friends, Meet the Parents, Dodgeball, <laughs> always... Very funny, good. angry Ben Stiller moments. M- Mayor Witt stories, even. Yeah, really yeah. good. But um, Chuck Norris. <laughs> can, can you made me bleed my own blood. <laughs> No, there's a scene where Ben Stiller is testing Gian Garofalo, who is this person who wants to join the team. Yeah. But he mispronounces the word that he's using. In the, he always messes up metaphors and this stuff. And the minute he messes it up, William H. Macy just leans over to Gian Garofalo and is like, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. It's, like a, it's the word like um, uh, he's saying, um, we're, an elite, we're an elite cadre. Like, yes, a, like yeah, C-A-D-R-E. Yeah. It's like C-A-D-R-E. He's like, we're an elite cadre of cadre. She's like, cadre. She goes, cadre. He goes, you're in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, the scene he gives about the, uh, the speech he gives about the egg salad. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Because yeah, he, they realize that, um, you know, the bad guys have pretty much won. Yeah. And he picks up this egg salad and he's like, my wife doesn't let me eat egg salad. But if the world's over, you know, I might as well just eat it now. Or we could step up and I could put down this exile and we can, you know, save the day. And it's actually quite yeah. a little, it's like it's, a stirring yeah, scene. It's yeah. really inspiring. The music and everything. He's, he's like, he's like, do we go out there and fight the good fight or do I, or do I eat this sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> We're all in over our heads and we know it. But if we take on this fight, those of us who survive it will forever after show our scars with pride and say, that's right. I was there. I fought the good fight. 
So what do you say? Do we all gather together and go kick some Casanova butt? Or do I eat this sandwich? I say, what the fuck? Let's do it. Also, I just want to spotlight Paul Rubens is very funny in Mystery Man. Yes, he's very, very funny. Yeah. Although it's like, it's, it's kind of like, it's literally like a one note character, but like it, he, he does like play it with such gusto. He really brings like a complete, like, you know. Um, it's really gross. Yeah, exactly. He really doubles down. On... Basically, his like his superpower is he like he farts a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was yeah. because that he, he farted I, once and then blamed. Thunderpants all grown up. But yeah. he blamed a gypsy woman. Who was like walking past <laughs> at the and time. She, and she and cursed. Put a curse on him. <laughs> <laughs> and he just talks like. Have you seen this movie? No, no, oh, no. Oh, it's no, wonderful. Yeah. You gotta watch it. I actually really want to watch it. Because <laughs> when we talked about the specials, I didn't want to watch it at all because it sounded right. crap. Yeah. But this one sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I've seen it like 20 times. Yeah. Because there's a. 25, maybe. There's an article series on the AV Club called Age of Heroes, written by a guy called Tom Bryan, and he just takes every year's super, best superhero movie and writes about oh, it. Yeah. And this was his for. 99. 99. Yeah. 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 It's it's one of those movies where I, I feel a bit like with the specials, it's deconstructing a genre that hadn't really come up in movies yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like, I think a lot of filmmakers at the time expected, like, comic books are huge. People would show up for this, and they didn't really. Yeah. Whereas I think only now, stuff like The Boys and Watchmen, mm-hmm. the TV show, and um, Deadpool and stuff are more popular at yeah. satirizing superhero drama yeah. just because there's, yeah. like, six or seven movies come out a year. And yeah. also, they were marketing Mystery Men at Kids, and, like, it's two hours long, and they didn't just make any attempt to, like, shave down the runtime. They're just like, no, we're putting it out. It's ninety ninety nine. It's two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to deal with that, kids. You know, you've got like, short attention spans, but deal with it. It's literally two hours long. Coming up to, oh, on the way up to Fargo, uh, he was in 50 off-Broadway and Broadway plays, mm-hmm. and he had small roles in, like, Woody 50 Allen. 50 plays? 50 plays. Wow. I thought, that, I thought that was like a 50 off-Broadway was some sort of name of a play. He was yeah, in, oh, no. Uh, no, he was literally in 50, 50 off-Broadway, off-Broadway plays. and Broadway plays. Okay, wow. Um, some of them were David Mamet plays like yeah. American Buffalo and The Water Engine. Uh, he also had small roles in movies, uh, Woody Allen's Radio Days, which is a very sweet movie. Searching for Bobby Fischer, which is, I didn't know, this, is like the Paddington 2 of its time. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. But with, like, with like 50 reviews. Like, it's not even <laughs> just like an old movie that's yeah. like 10 reviews, uh, which is a movie about chess. Pauline um, Kale must have missed that one. <laughs> and um, Murder in the first which is a very good um sad movie about uh, an orphan sent to alcatraz for stealing. all william h macy movies are sad yeah for stealing five even them. if they're not sad yeah he yeah, makes them yeah. sad he oh, brings yeah. a he, he brings you look, sadness you look at him and you're like movie. oh yeah it's like a sad bear it's so funny on those is wikipedia or on imdb it's like often plays worried men down on their look <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep, like, that's yep, it yeah, that's yep. the one yeah but it, yeah this movie he plays like a da he plays a worried man down on his look. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, what is it? What, so he's in this movie. What, what, who does he play? Well, he plays a weird man. Oh, I'm not yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, often a lot of salesmen as well. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is crazy. Who are often down on their look. Yes, that's sales, as salesmen often are. Um, yeah, but what really helped boost his career was Fargo, uh, the Coen Brothers Six movie, mm. and their first movie coming off they the biggest failure of their career, a Hudsucker Proxy, yeah, which made yeah. no money. Yeah. Well, a movie I love. I think the it's Hudsucker Proxy is great. That's the one with Tim Robbins, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he invents the okay, hula hoop. Seen it. It's a good bend. I haven't seen it. It's yeah, good yeah. movie. I really wanted yeah. to go on New Year's Eve. The show in the lighthouse just there, just gone. But I, yeah. like, I, did, I didn't make it. I was really annoyed that I at myself for not making it. Mm. You know, when you're like, I want to do this thing, and you don't do it, and you're annoyed at yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a little segue there. I was annoyed at myself <laughs> once. I'm a sympathetic individual. You know, I just like I was like I was like I want to go to this movie, and then I didn't go, and then I felt the, bad after the William H Macy of your own life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a big rebound for the Comforters. Grossed sixty million on a seven million budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, a mystery man won yeah. the best director award at Cannes '96. Yeah. William H Macy was uh, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, won two Oscars. McDormand for Best uh, Actress and mm. for uh, Cohen for Best Screenplay. Yeah. Spawned a great <laughs> TV show. 
Yeah, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen any. I haven't of seen the TV, Fargo show, no. TV show. Rules. I think the movie is better than yeah. my just, parents love it. Yeah, I remember when I was selling DVDs and golden discs, and this couple from Minnesota came into me, and they They're were like, like, "Hey there!" Yeah, they were like, "Yeah, they were like, hey there, do you have the third season of Fargo?" And I was like, uh, <laughs> "No, but are you from Fargo?" And we, they were like, "Yeah." And you know what? We hated the movie when it came out. It made us look like hicks. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, Fargo centers around a pregnant Minnesota uh, police chief uh, investigating roadside homicides. Yeah. That you after a desperate in-depth car salesman named Jerry Lundegaard yeah. uh, played by William H. Macy he hires two criminals uh, to kidnap his wife in order to extort a hefty ransom from his wealthy father-in-law uh, I love Fargo I think it's the best crime comedy ever maybe it's definitely one of them yeah yeah, um, wow, yeah. yeah but it's, it's just Fargo's very tense very horrifying yeah, yeah it has that Coen Brothers kind of crackling wit yeah and yeah. they're really cool circular dialogue uh, like that scene where Macy keeps saying like it's my deal Wayne yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps coming yeah. back or at the beginning of the movie where he meets Steve Buscemi and he he showed up an hour late yeah. <laughs> and he's like oh I must have got the times wrong and then that just thing keeps repeating yeah, yeah. the scene um, and you know that's in a lot of Coen Brothers movies but the Minnesotan which is accent which is yeah, a bit yeah. Swedish a bit Norse yeah it's very, um, it's very unique to Fargo Fargo yeah. it just makes everything so much more funny yeah and yeah. It, uh, but I don't think it's in a mocking way. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, they made him look like Hicks, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the musicality of the dialogue. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah you betcha. Yeah, you yeah. darn tootin'. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, gee, I sure wouldn't know who'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so chipper. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's a, f- a wonderful counterbalance. To... Even when he's trying to fucking sell his wife to criminals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's just a counterbalance to all the horrors. That yeah, happen, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think Macy is terrific in the part. Um, I remember Ethan Cohen said about the role that Jerry's a fascinating mix of the completely ingenious and the utterly deceitful <laughs> um, he's also guileless even though he set these horrible events in motion he's surprised when they go wrong <laughs> and um, apparently the Cones initially considered Macy for a smaller role mm. but they were so impressed by his line reading that they had asked him to come back and read for the role of Jerry and, and that was his first appearance in a Cone film yeah I think so yeah. first and last I think he hasn't worked yeah. with them again. He hasn't, he hasn't worked with them again. Yeah. Uh, he was very persistent in getting the part, uh, saying, um, I found out that the Coen brothers were auditioning in New York still, so I got in my jolly, jolly Lutheran ass on an airplane and walked in and said, uh, I want to read again because I'm scared you're going to screw this up and hire someone else. I actually said that. <laughs> you know, you can't play that card too yeah, often William as H. Macy the man, far more confident than William <laughs> yeah, exactly. H. Macy the character actor. Exactly. Yeah, you said, uh, so, you know, you can't play that card too often. Sometimes it just blows up in your face. But I said, guys, this is my role. I want this. Mm. And um, he's perfect. For yeah, I mean, yeah, he really is. Yeah. Um, I was it's very funny. I was watching the movie and his character kept reminding me of old Gil from The Simpsons. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. I was thinking that as well. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I went down. Oh, around. gee, you can't do old Gil like this. Yeah, and he's yeah. a car salesman, I'm pretty sure, yeah, in a couple of yeah. Simpsons episodes. And yeah. he's so pathetic. I yeah. think Macy maybe is a little bit darker than old Gil. Yeah, it's kind of, he's the kind of man who's like really hard to respect but very easy to empathize with because you look at him and you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'd ever go into business with you or even be friends with you. But, <laughs> but you can't you know, stop watching just, as well. Just, you're yeah, like, you're I just like... feel so sorry for you. You're like, you're just cringing as he, for every second he's on screen. Yeah. I'm also kind of laughing at him as well. But, you know, you do which that is a good, Which hand. is a good combo, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, cringe yeah. laugh, a little craft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's that link between Old Gill and William H. Macy mm. in that Old Gill is based on Jack Lemmon in the movie of Glengarry Glen Ross, which is written by movie. David mm. Mamet. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. like, a rich I, tapestry. I feel yeah. like May, uh, Macy must have played a salesman 
or similar type of characters in a lot of his plays yeah. or in the 50 plays he's off Broadway and I, I think that's why he just feels so natural yeah. in this role that's like, like a batting average as well you know if he's in 50 plays he's guaranteed to be in a, a salesman at least one of those yeah, 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 yeah. death of a salesman yeah and his performance walks a really thin line between having you think of him as like maybe a slightly sympathetic dope whose yeah. actions and the incredible terrifying situation he's found himself in you know, it's a last resort, you know, and um, an act of fear and terror at the way his life is going. Because at the beginning of the movie, he's already in debt. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's, like, lying to the bank. and he, yeah. he, You're never exactly entirely sure what he's doing, but you just know, like, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> bad. It's like, really, he's like, just being constantly dominated by every facet of, and person in his life, like the bank, debt, his, his father-in-law, his, father's his employees, assistant. his wife, <laughs> the yeah. kidnappers, and the cops. Yeah, that's like, a long list. It is a long list. Yeah, true, yeah, but it's yeah. true. Like he's really put upon yeah. by all those people. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why you empathize with him because you understand. Like this guy is under so much pressure. Yeah, and like you just totally understand why it goes wrong. But it's really hard not to feel sorry for him. But he is. Yeah. A, he is a total asshole, though. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, he totally. kind of deserves yeah, everything yeah, that happened yeah, to him. Yeah. In terms of the former, like he's such mm. an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 the movie begins with him like bumbling up the time to meet the kidnappers. Um, uh, and then when it looks like his wife doesn't need to be kidnapped, when it seems like he's actually going to get the money from his father-in-law, because he's trying to propose this deal to his yeah, father-in-law, yeah. and he, <laughs> at, it, at one point it looks like he's going, it's going to go okay, but he's already ordered the kidnapping, and yeah. then he just doesn't have their phone number. <laughs> he can't get in touch with the kidnappers. Um, so there's like that kind of thing. Yeah. But then, like, there's some earlier scenes where he uses that, like, non-intimidating, hangdog, scrawny look. Because, like, William H. Macy, like, it looks like a, a bit of wind would knock him over. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's uh, kind of slight. There Sorry. is this scene um, where he's basically scamming a couple at his dealership. Mm. You know this scene? Like, they come in and they wanted to buy a car, but they didn't want any of the special features on offer. Yeah. Um, so he said, cool. But then he put a special coating on the car. And then when they go to pick up the car, he's like, yeah, the extra coating is, like, $500. And they're like, we don't want the special coding. We, we, we went over this. We went over this. <laughs> and he's like, I'll go into my boss and talk to him. And he goes into his boss and just talks about sports for two minutes <laughs> and then comes back and is like, yeah, my boss doesn't re- usually do this, but uh, we're going to knock 100 off of it. He never done this before. But seeing as it's special circumstances and all, he says I can knock $100 off that true coat. 100 You lied to me, Mr. Lundgaard. You're a bald-faced liar. Fucking please. <laughs> and they just... It's amazing. They know that it's bullshit. Like, you, they're like, you're a liar. You're a goddamn liar. But they, <laughs> they do see it. see right through yeah. them. But they yeah. pay it because they just want to get it over yeah, with. Yeah. And I think that scene establishes very early that Jerry is not a smooth operator. Yeah. But he can play yeah. dirty and he's shifty, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then there's another scene where he's, like, trying to basically cons his son because, because his son's worried about his mom. And Macy comforts him saying like it's fine yeah. you know she'll she it'll all be okay it'll all work out but then the scene ends and he the it works it helps yeah, his son yeah. then at the end of the scene he's like oh by the way you know if anybody calls asking for your mother tell her them that she's on holidays <laughs> and you're like he's using his on a nice persona to get what he wants yeah yeah and yeah. um he's slick in his own way macy mm. But uh, over the course of the movie, we see that air of confidence dissipate. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes replaced with fear and terror. Like that bit where he's trying to um, scrape the windshield of his car mm. with the ice. And it's really hard to do because it's it's so cold, cold in yeah. Minnesota. And he just starts going, Wah! and he's freaking <laughs> out. And the, there's a moment where he like freaks out in the office. 
And then it all le- and like he's doing it alone. And then it leads to um, Francis McDormand's detective coming to him, and he blows up at her. Mm. And then in that scene, he tries to like walk it back to the way they were talking, pretty yeah, respectfully yeah. before. But it's already too late, and this, it just ends with him running away. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's just this amazing, like really fully yeah, realized yeah. performance, yeah, and so um, nuanced and stuff like. Yeah. I saw this uh, review of uh, a William H Macy movie. We're not going to talk about it, called Edmund, uh, which is based on a, a Met play. Uh, I think it was directed by Stuart Gordon, mm. who made. Um, Reanimator? Reanimator, yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah but yeah, somebody yeah, called yeah. Macy in it, a master at playing with sticks of human dynamite in mild manner <laughs> camouflage. <laughs> I feel like Fargo is a, a very good representation mm. of that. And I think, I think I love Macy as an actor. I think he can be really good. And when the role suits him, and like what I mentioned there about like being somehow like a loser, being kind yeah, of hand dog, yeah, yeah. but also having a bit of danger to him, those are always great. I think he does a lot of movies just for money though. And a lot of kind of nothing yeah, parts and stuff. Yeah, like you know? Air Force One or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a probably yeah. good excuse to go yeah, into Air Force plays, One. Uh, yeah, Major Norman Caldwell, who's like the military aide to US President James Marshall. A lot of very masculine names in this movie. Great movie. Norman I love Air Force Caldwell, One. More James masculine Marshall. than Morgan Stern? Somehow, yeah. Well, Somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, and James Marshall's played by Harrison Ford. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's a movie that starts off and it's like all these very vague, like patriotic platitudes about uh, like Americans, like how we won't negotiate with terrorists. And you're like, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's like total shit for those 15 minutes. And then you meet Gary Oldman and he takes over the plane. It's still one of those incredibly propulsive and thrilling 90s action movies like Hard Target or... Um, Die Hard. Die Hard or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, or the, Die Hard on a plane, basically. Yeah, what it is. A, yeah, yeah. Or, which was... Die Hard 2 basically it's one of the many one of the it's many Die Hard on the most yeah, important yeah. plane in the yeah, world yeah. one of the great like 20th century airport thrillers is it just if John McClane was the president is that our yeah, first basically, yeah, 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 yeah. You hit the nail the head there's there. the bit where he's like, obviously there's the famous quote where he kicks, Gar- hangs Gary Oldman by the, with the strap and then kicks him off the plane like, get off my plane, that. <laughs> and like, neo-communists, why did it have to be neo-communists? <laughs> or, but there's the bit where he um, uh, he's like trying to dump all the fuel from the plane and he, he has to put two of the wires together and th- there's four of them, there's yellow, red, white and blue and he's like, don't fail me now, red, white and blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so who does Macy play in Air Force One? Uh, he plays Major Norman Caldwell. He's like the military aide to the president. But he's in like three scenes. I mean, he does get his hero moment at like the end. Like a classic yeah. character actor he's like in three classic, scenes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a classic uh, William H. Macy character, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's the heroic scene? He dies. He gets shot. <laughs> yeah, like he tries to stop like the traitor agent from killing Harrison Ford at the very end of the movie, and he's like, "No, run away, sir!" And then he gets shot twice. Oh, yeah, poor guy. Yeah. Anyway, R.I.P. again. R.I.P. Moment of silence for William H Macy. Yeah. At least it isn't as bad as his fate in Boogie Nights. That's very true. Yeah. That is that. That's a bad fate. Yeah. It is a bad fate. Yeah. Or fate. Yeah. His untimely death in Boogie Nights definitely literally punctuates the middle of the movie I guess because exactly, like yeah, right yeah. after he shoots himself in the head it comes up like 80s and yeah. it's like well, we're in the yeah, 1980s yeah. now he does like totally like carry the beginning of the movie like this whole thing where it's like his wife is keeps like sleeping with other men in yeah. front of him yeah. and then he has to like discuss a movie with like Ricky Jay in the front garden of the house while his wife is behind him having sex with a man yeah. and people are like standing around watching yeah. his wife. Like, he, it's so funny. He has this like hilarious like line flub. He's like, I can't concentrate because my wife has, a, has an ass in her cock in the driveway. <laughs> and they, just, they just like leave it in. Just, like, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson said it was so, the line yeah. was so funny that he just, left, that's, he just left it in. He comes up on them all the time just having sex with, a, with uh, another, a younger 
obviously more virile man and he's like oh for fuck's sake will you stop embarrassing me and she's like you're embarrassing yourself Bill <laughs> yeah and then he like he's like at the very beginning of the movie he's like walking out of the room and she's like he says, she says to the other guy she's like keep going stud <laughs> very um, should preface this for anyone who hasn't seen Boogie Nights it's about porn it's about porn yeah yeah <laughs> the 70s. And, uh, and William H. Macy plays Little Bill Thompson, Little Bill Thompson which is such yeah. a a, na- a like yeah. uh, emasculating name. Yeah, and it's so he's yeah. so pathetic as well. Like he's assistant Mullet director. Is, yeah, to... assistant director to Jack Horner, who's Burt Reynolds uh, in but the movie. He, and just even like, sorry to cut off, but like his patheticness is so telegraphed even from the first two minutes of the movie he comes in like Jack Horner's like having a good time in the nightclub and he's like just comes in to like talk about the movie with him he's clearly like bothering Jack Horner but like <laughs> he's just like it's just so funny it's just so it's he's on screen and all of a sudden you're like oh there's that pathetic guy I know yeah, I know yeah, that face yeah. you're like oh for fuck's sake not this guy again hey it's the name of our podcast <laughs> I know that face <laughs> um do you mind if I tell a slightly digressive story about my Boogie Nice tattoo? I have a Boogie Nice tattoo. Oh, yeah, go for it. Go yeah. for it, yeah. Um, okay, so Ricky Jay, who I mentioned a minute ago, who's also actually in, in Mystery, Mystery Men. Men. Uh, there's a scene in Boogie Nights where <coughs> William H. Macy is not in the scene, but I feel like I just really want to tell this story. Basically, Mark Wahlberg, uh, he's at his like, most drugged up in the movie. He shows up and he's like, we're going to shoot now. It's my big dick. I'm, I'm the star. We're going to do this. Yeah. And basically, Burt Reynolds says to him, like, you're, like, you're the star, but nevertheless. And then oh, I know said, the story. Yeah. It's so funny. Ricky Jay basically standing beside Burt Reynolds when Burt Reynolds says the word nevertheless. And um, later on, they asked like Ricky Jay in an interview, why do you have this like weird smile on your face in the scene when Burt Reynolds says nevertheless? And then basically Ricky Jay goes, oh, it was at a football game once. And the announcer came on the PA and was like, here to sing the national anthem, we have Miss Helen Forrest. And someone in the audience goes, Helen Forrest sucks cock. And the announcer goes, nevertheless. <laughs> so for that reason, I have the word, I have the word nevertheless tattooed on my leg. And I got, a, I got like just, just a one word tattoo as a tribute to this amazing scene with Ricky Jay. I feel like that scene I mentioned a second ago where like William Hitchcock's wife is like having sex on the front lawn. He's talking to Ricky Jay and that scene is very kind of iconic. That's why I kind of thought of it there. Very kind of iconic scene where he's like, they're discussing the photography of the picture while his wife is literally cuckolding him on, 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 on the lawn. So yeah, shout out Ricky Jay as well. Are you giving me shit, Kurt? No, hey, no way with it, though. My fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right? I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow. Okay? Okay, no big deal. Sorry. All right? Gotcha. What I like about Boogie Nights is that the first part of the movie feels like the party, and the second part's the hangover. Yeah, exactly. And Little Bill Thompson's death, which is this amazing three minute scene where he goes into this New Year's party and is looking yeah. for his wife and it's all in a long take so you're mm. following him throughout the party amazing camera work yeah. uh, probably the thing where people were just like PTA yeah, is here yeah, yeah. And, the cult of PTA <laughs> um, so he's going through this party looking for his uh, wife and then he goes into a room sees that she's having sex and then calmly walks out of the party goes to his car loads up a pistol mm. walks back in shoots them too and then puts a gun on himself and then it's just it's like three, two, yeah, yeah, and then it's just the eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, incredible scene, incredible movie. And just you're saying about like about the um the first part of Boogie Nights being the party and the second part being the hangover. It is nice that in the last few minutes of Boogie Nights, there's you know a happy ending. Oh you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like he gets his his um stereo shop and everything. Yeah, you know, he yeah, finally gets yeah, a stereo yeah. shop and all that. So, and Reed Rothschild becomes a magician. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And like it's just that long again a tracking shot yeah. set to God only knows by the Beach Boys. Unreal. In an incredibly bleak movie, like yeah, you know, yeah. for the second part, the Hangover part, it is like, um, it is great that they managed to like, you know, have this like, you know, positive ending. I think. No, it's really sweet. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I, yeah. I like how Boogie Nights is depiction of like a nuclear family. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. A really yeah. fucked up really and weird pseudo <laughs> incestuous <laughs> pornographic family, but yeah. a family nonetheless. Um, Nevertheless, are you, you, you going to take family. your skates off? I don't. I never take my skates off. <laughs> <laughs> but I should say as well, um, the party that Little Bill Thompson uh, commits suicide on at is the first time Mark Wahlberg does cocaine. I think yeah. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. everything is telegraphed. So that's yeah. a pretty major role because yeah. it's. It's he's literally the fulcrum on, on yes. which the movie balances basically, and then yeah. he's got this great like comedic scene where he's like uh, he's reading the like the the script and he's like, "Who's Dirk Diggler?" <laughs> <laughs> Will we move on to his second PTA collaboration? Yeah, Magnolia. Yeah, yeah. he plays um, quiz kid Donnie Smith, a former what do kids know champion. <laughs> uh, he's recently fired from his job from his retail job at the stereo store Solomon and Solomon. Uh, he becomes obsessed <laughs> with robbing the store, both as revenge on Solomon. Uh, the owner of the store Played by Alfred Molina Yeah And to pay for the braces He thinks will make him attractive To the bartender Brad 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 the bartender At the gay bar he frequents Yeah Yeah. And this Like Magnolia is a Mosaic Of all these different characters Yeah Epic three and a half hour drama film And also Set in San Fernando Valley Is it all in one day as well maybe I I think think so so. Yeah yeah, yeah. But in, in Magnolia There's a subplot designated to uh, Kid Spencer who is yeah. currently on What Do They Know yeah or no What, what Do Kids, what what do do kids, kids know? know yeah yeah and, and he's like going to be the champion and he's being mistreated by everybody like yeah, his yeah. dad all he cares about is the prize money yeah. he's like can I go to the bathroom during the commercial break yeah. and they're like no and, and he pisses himself and he pisses himself, yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. and um, I feel like William H. Macy plays what happens to that kid yeah as exactly he comes yeah, yeah, yeah. and just craves love yeah exactly he yeah. wasn't shown it as yeah, a child there's a scene in the film where he just wanders through that bar like kind of like just as he's about to go rob the store and he's like am I full of love am I full of love like just shaking people and screaming and at them who is that actor who's like sitting at the bar in the gay bar Henry Gibson oh yeah he's amazing and he's then, like, really the, whole, the whole performance is incredible and he's like don't he's, what's he say he's like um, he's like don't confuse children and angels, or what's he yes, saying? Yes, that's like the that? line. I was trying to think of it when yeah. I was talking to Andrew earlier. You it's, know. it's dangerous to confuse children with angels. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. because he's in love with this bartender, Brad, and he yeah. com- tells him like, "Brad, I love you. I know you don't feel the same about me, but if you come with me, like, I'll treat you so well." Yeah. And Brad looks at him like he has no idea who he is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really but even like the, the, the yeah the abject look of complete like confusion on Brad's face is really like like a, vacancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Hey. I love you. I, I love you, and I, I'm, I'm sick. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm getting corrective oral surgery tomorrow for my teeth. I love you, Brad. Brad, the bartender. You want to love me back? I'll be good to you. I'll be goddamn good for you. I won't be mad if you don't know who said what. I will punish Brad, you if you get the answer wrong. I can teach and tell you. Have a special Samuel secret Johnson. crush over there, I think. Don't you too lovely. You might get up. hurt. Mind your own business. Gently, son. Brad, I know you don't love me now. It's a dangerous thing to confuse children with angels. Yeah, no, Henry Gibson is in a lot of Altman movies. He's in um, Nashville yeah, and in I definitely recognize him, The Long Goodbye. He's oh, yeah. the doctor who, um, in the mental asylum, where yeah. Sterling Hayden stays, yeah. I think. Yes, uh, Stoney takes money from Solomon Solomon. Yeah. And as he drives away, he decides to return money because he yeah. feels bad. And, and then frogs fall from the, from sky. the sky. And the, he can't go back into the store because yeah, he breaks his key. key. Yeah, and yeah. Down on his luck. Yeah, kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> I climbs up on a pole, frogs right now, and he falls and breaks his teeth. Yeah. And that he was trying, very to, get, teeth that he was he, trying yeah. to repair. <laughs> that he yeah. thought he needed to be, to be fixed when he didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's rescued by uh, John Jim Offer, Officer John Jim Curring, and then uh, his who's... gun falls out. Of, you know, he loses his gun. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. really. And, and his gun cop. falls out of the yeah. sky. Yeah. yeah, and they're kind of like 
they represent how both chance and fate can like reward and punish people in equal measure because that's like how yeah. fate is like uh, th- there are things more than chance and then that also like through life again shout out Ricky Jay like he's the narrator in Magnolia Ricky Jay is and he has his like the speech at the beginning about chance yeah. you know this yeah. whole, like, amazing yeah, yeah. yeah. what an amazing yeah. intro yeah. Like, amazing op- like opening to the film yeah yeah and they're like, they're like those two characters uh, Donnie and Jim are like two sides of the same coin like Donnie obviously has this horribly bitter theft and uh, believe- kind of a believably abrupt change of heart because you never believed that this man could actually steal thousands of dollars from even from someone that wronged him yeah um then there's Jim with like his willingness to look past Claudia, who's like the daughter of the host of uh, What Do Kids Know, who's like this abusive creep. Jim basically sees past uh, Claudia's addictions and trauma to see the beauty within because he knows what it is to feel worthless. John C. Riley and um, William H. Macy have my favorite conversation in Magnolia after all this happens, yeah. where William H. Macy says to him, I've got so much love to give. I just don't know where <laughs> to put it. I thought that he would love me. For what? For something I don't even... I don't know where to put things, you know? I really do have love to give. I just don't know where to put it. That really is a night nice bow on yeah, all the stories yeah. of my know because it's all about people trying to just search for love yeah. and meaning in yeah exactly and one of the few roles of LA or San, Fer- yeah. San Fernando Valley one of the few roles where uh, William H-, H. Macy looks good without a moustache because <laughs> his, his now you can cut this out if you like but William H. Macy's upper lip very wide it, it's an upper lip that needs a moustache it's jouncing from moustache there's, yeah, there's a lot of negative space it's up crying there. out <laughs> for yeah, a moustache yeah, a lot yeah. of negative space yeah yeah, yeah. Great movie. Yeah, great movie. Great yeah, movie. Magnolia, great yeah. movie. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those movies where you want everyone, everything to work out for almost everyone except Jimmy Gator, who's Philip G- Baker Hall. Fuck and also guy. incredibly accomplished for a movie he made only two years after Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. it came only came out two years afterwards, but it's like, it's like, like it's just massive in scope. Like, I mean, obviously Boogie Nights is very massive in scope, but like Magnolia is like, what, three hours long? And just three like, and a half, I think. Three, yeah. yeah, just like yeah. really, really, yeah, beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you compare it to a lot of other movies which I think started coming out after Magnolia and also Shortcuts as well where all these interlocking narratives like traffic yeah, and stuff yeah. um, like Crash they can be Crash particularly can be very melodramatic mm-hmm. and a bit over the top and their interconnections can seem a little sweaty sometimes and I feel Magnolia just nails that nice balance between melodrama but um, just want to oh, it's funny as well and um, I feel like Macy as well nails that balance because his, his performance is very raw and very naked in Magnolia yeah. but it is never too over the top or melodramatic yeah, exactly, yeah. even though yeah. it can be uncomfortable to watch him. I was yeah. like parts yeah. that are funny yeah, yeah, I yeah, also yeah. Do think it's great filmmaking that it's like he's was on this show obviously that was like popular years ago and it's like still on and he's just like watching it in the bar that's just I just think that's like yeah, it's a small yeah. thing but it's like a really really cool thing where he's like you know he's able to react to the like he, there's one point where he's like the same question gets asked or something he's like he says the answer right he's really proud and then yeah, they're all just yeah. like what the fuck's going on yeah. he's playing this character where he's like you know he's so enmeshed in his own past yeah, but he yeah, gets yeah. to like also play that out because he's watching a show he was literally on yeah, yeah. it's just like good writing I guess shout out yeah, PTA yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but sta- then he goes on to State in Maine which is uh, written and directed by David Mamet. Um this is probably him Macy at his most slick oh okay like, uh, but it's also allowing him to be that mix of explosive and mannered which yeah, he does so yeah. well 
So basically, havoc is wrought on the inhabitants of a small New England town uh, when a trouble... As it always is. <laughs> when yeah. frogs start raining down from the sky. No, that's Magnolia. Based on a Stephen King story? <laughs> no. This, it's got, a film production comes to the town um, after the leading man, Alec Baldwin's pension for underage girls oh, gets God. them um, banished from their New Hampshire location. The crew relocates to the small town of, uh, it's called Waterford in Vermont, uh, to finish shooting... Waterford movies. in Vermont. Waterford. It is called Waterford. <laughs> I copied this from Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, wait, Waterford. Um, it's to finish shooting this movie called The Old Mill. And uh, as the title of that movie suggests, the film within a film, it depends on the presence of a genuine mill, something the town is reported to possess. But when they get there and they've moved all the production and they've barely got any money left, uh, they discover uh, that the mill burned down decades ago. <laughs> and so they go to their writer who... It's his first time working in cinema. He wrote a play that this movie's based on. It's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And they're like, can we like not do a mill? Could you like rewrite it like in a few days? <laughs> We've got to shoot this. You told me they had an old mill. It burnt down. How do I do a film called The Old Mill when I don't have an old mill? Well, first you got to change the title. And, and, um, you're, and you're saying Ricky Jay's in this movie as well? Ricky Jay is a small role as being like the purse. He runs a cafe shop in the town and it's 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 a very funny bit where at the beginning of it all the townspeople seem very like out of the Hollywood world mm, and then as yeah. the movie continues it keeps coming back to them and they're like yeah I don't think the box office on this movie looks great and they're like reading, <laughs> they're reading the trades yeah. and so <laughs> basically William H. Macy plays the director Walt Price and his job is to sort of uh, appease everybody and try to get the movie made and some of the problems include um, he has writer has writer's block mm. he has to schmooze the mayor of the town and his lead actress who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker in the movie um, won't um, take off her clothes for a nude scene even though she had signed a contract that said that she would and um, you know there's going to be a sex scene in the movie and yeah. he like really wants it and uh, I think Roger Ebert really hit the nail on the head describing Macy's part in State in Maine because he says that Macy brings the same frustration he used in Fargo as the car says when trying to conceal fatal evidence but he's more of a diplomat here using tact and lies to soothe the townspeople coddle his temperamental stars and coax rewrites out of his easily wounded screenwriter and um, yeah you basically have him like rattling off this fast paced mammoth dialogue while bouncing kind of from crisis to crisis yeah. uh, whether it be Alec Baldwin getting into a drunken car crash with another underage girl played by Julia Stiles <laughs> yeah I, I saw an interview with Wim H. Macy where he was describing his choices for the movie and he said that uh, you'll never meet anyone as focused as monomaniacally obsessed as a director he has one obsession get the shot in the can <laughs> and he said that he was, he's been on movies which were disasters and people would Start come up to the director and start screaming obscenities mm. to them and the director would just smile there and be like yeah yeah okay but we really gotta get the shot done <laughs> and he said that um they'd just be there smiling like trying to keep the, everything chugging yeah, along and yeah. then they'd after the movie was done they would badmouth them they would yeah, call them yeah, devils yeah. like he would just never work <laughs> with them again bad like ruin their careers yeah. but in that moment he just keeps smiling at them yeah, and that's yeah. what, how the kind of role he plays in the okay, movie yeah, and cool. what year was that movie? I think it was in uh, 2000, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I think what really sums up the performance is there's this bit in the movie where he's on the phone to a journalist and he's like describing the film. He's like, well, basically it's a story about purity. And then either five minutes before or five minutes after that, after he hears the Sarah Jessica Parker won't take off her clothes yeah, for saying, yeah. he's like, get me pictures of women's tits. <laughs> and it's that kind of blend. And uh, it's very funny, but it's like a scathing look at Hollywood and you know, how everyone's a phony. Yeah, yeah. And, and David Mamet wrote it and also directed it? Yeah. Okay, cool. And there's a very, it's a weird kind of more light movie from him, okay. even though it is critical of Hollywood. And yeah, yeah talks about how there's like not really a lot of integrity there yeah and my only bone really to pick with it would be that i think if the movie had come out now it might have been able to sink its teeth a little bit more into that because yeah, yeah. there's this character in the movie who the producer played by david pamer who's real like vicious yeah. and i wonder they could have earned this and the story subplot with Ike baldwin like, i think post me too 
you could be given a lot more freedom to do that yeah, but you can yeah, feel him yeah. maybe putting his like foot off the clutch a little bit in yeah, certain yeah. things but um it's a great movie yeah, yeah. i really enjoyed it and it's 100 minutes long and feels like 30 minutes oh deadly it just yeah. flies by i put on a half 12 at the saturday and i was like i'm not gonna watch this all one sitting flew by <laughs> you put it on a half 12 it was over by one o'clock you were like how did, how did this happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah we talked about the cooler yeah Macy very well cast in The Cooler uh, where he gets to use his pension for playing gloomy everyman um, to essentially take on the role as a professional loser. He plays Bernie, a former gambling addict who's paying his debt to uh, the casino owner who hobbled his knee. So his job is to be at bottom runs this casino and anytime somebody is on a hot streak he sends William H. Macy to their table and just his mere presence messes up their look he, he's, so, he's somewhat of a cooler you might you say, might say yeah, yeah. which I was wondering is that a real thing no yeah. <laughs> it's just made up for the movie yeah. uh, but it, it kind of works in the movie because because um, you believe how pathetic the William H. Macy is but not only is he a cooler he's the cooler yeah. but yeah. it's presented as this superstitious but effective kind of old school tradition of casino running yeah, which is a lot yeah. more based on look where and Alec Baldwin on top of um, you know having all the stuff involving William H. Macy's debt and stuff like that he's being railroaded out of running the casino by these gangsters who sort of want to Disneyfy everything and make everything a bit more family friendly and Ron Livingston uh, plays the head of that and he is like we don't need a cooler what are you talking about here's what we do we put music in the background with subliminal messages saying lose lose (laughs) lose (laughs) amazing yeah Yeah. Um, but yeah Macy has like he's got one last week of work before his debt is clear and he's dying to leave Vegas Mm. uh, although Baldwin is quite adamant that he stays yeah, yeah. Uh, yet only then Bernie meets uh, Natalie played by a really good Maria Bello uh, cocktail waitress who he enters into this hurricane romance with and just being around her causes his look to change oh, a, hur- yeah, yeah. a hurricane romance is that like a whirlwind romance but a little bit different oh a whirlwind romance that's what I meant <laughs> a tornado ro- a typhoon tornado romance a, typhoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a yeah. monsoon yeah. romance <laughs> wildfire romance um, <laughs> this threatens Baldwin's mm. deal so everything kind of comes to a head yeah yeah. This. and uh, I like the movie a lot it feels tailor made for Macy uh, who begins the movie playing one of his like typical downtrodden characters but over the the course of the movie blossoms into you know something a bit more uh positive yeah just through the power of love yeah and essentially learning not to be you know such a pushover yeah hey you look in the mirror you don't like what you see don't believe it look in my eyes i am the only mirror you're ever gonna need you look in my eyes man The biggest testament to him is that you buy the ludicrous premise of the movie yeah, that, like, yeah. he literally causes bad luck um, and, like, a supernatural effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as well, There's and some also, magical realism in there. Yeah, kind of and thing, also, yeah. but you also buy it when it's the opposite way when he's going out with Maria Bella and he goes to a table and people just keep winning. <laughs> and like that. and um, to aid Macy's transition from like loser to winner, the film does this uh, very smart thing. So IMDb says this, Weem H. Macy was given three suits to wear during the film. Uh, during scenes where his character Bernie was hapless and unlucky, he wore a suit that was two sizes too big for him. During scenes where his look is starting to turn around, he wore a suit that was one size too big for him. Mm. After he falls in love and is extremely lucky, he wears a perfectly tailored suit. Okay. Yeah, and then amazing. also as his look improves, the lighting surrounding him gets brighter and his shirt and tie go from dark and subdued to bright and colourful um, and I, I think you might that's true that's incredible like set design it's just the, all yeah, the elements of filmmaking detail. coming together yeah, yeah and yeah. like you may not notice that as you watch but I think those kind of things subliminally yeah like viewers register those choices yeah. and uh, yeah. reinforce so, the already like yeah. stellar work by Macy yeah. it's like how in Doctor Strangelove uh, this is a little fun fact for you Kubrick insisted on having a green poker base for the table in Doctor Strangelove 
because they're playing poker with the fate of the world. Oh, but the film's okay, in black yeah. and white. Yeah. But he insisted on having <laughs> yeah. uh, the exact same, like you know, the, like the thing, like a, for a poker table. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's their like their big table in the in the war room. Because I imagine like maybe we wouldn't notice it, but for actors, yeah, that yeah, might yeah. do yeah. something. It but also, yeah, you yeah. know, I think you would notice it in a, in a, in a sort of like you know, as a, a, a subconscious part of your film film going yeah. brain would kind of notice that as well. Mm. You know, you'd notice the authenticity even though it's in black and white. Any other movies to talk about? Uh, well, I watched Bloodfather, which William H Macy is kind of it's similar to Air Force One in that he doesn't have a big role in it. He mm. plays Kirby Curtis. Uh, he's John Link's AA sponsor. John, John Link, Link is Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah. yeah. And he is a kind of a character there needs to be more of. Uh, he feels like they only had two days and a night to shoot his scenes in, and it feels like that was all that was written for him, to be honest. But at the same time, um, <laughs> he has a, he has one really good line where um, he's talking to Mel Gibson about the difference between what fitting and proper is, and he's like, you know what the difference between fitting and proper is? And <laughs> Mel Gibson's like, no, what? And he's like, if I put my thumb in your ass, it'd fit. But it wouldn't be proper. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's a good way, Mage. Yeah. Very far uh, ago. Yeah, it's it's weird though, because uh, like it's just one of those movies that like it wasn't successful. Like critically, it was a big hit. Uh, commercially, did nothing. And what's it about? It's Mel Gibson and his daughter thinks she kills her like Mexican drug lord boyfriend okay. and she goes to Mel Gibson for help who she hasn't seen in years and they run away together okay. being pursued by the Mexicans <laughs> ostensibly for revenge and, and Mel Gibson is, is obviously the blood father he's the blood father of this picture from what I've heard it uses the Mel, Gib- blood father. Yeah. Uh, Mel Gibson's own personal demons into the plot because uh, he plays a recovering alcoholic right yeah pretty much yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's not hyper catholic in this though but yeah, it's funny that we've just been watching the same action movie for decades. Just father saves daughter. Yeah. So would you recommend Bloodfather? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I've heard yeah, it's yeah. very good. It, it is. Very it good. made yeah, headstuffs yeah. top twenty-five action movies. Yeah, which of is a decade. weird because yeah. I didn't think it was that good, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And you really feel sorry for William H Macy because he dies at the end, towards the end, because he gets shot like five times because he gets captured and is forced to uh, help them kidnap Lydia, who is. Uh, the blood daughter Aaron Moriarty yeah, the blood Aaron daughter. Moriarty yeah and it, there's this really horrible moment at the end where he's like tied up and he's like talk to your friend because he's on the phone with Mel Gibson and he's like I'm sorry John I did my best and then bang 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 oh man yeah. it yeah. really it cuts deep because yeah. I, mean, I yeah, can't the, feel sympathy for Mel Gibson that's like new levels of pathetic William H. Macy it's like you know I did my best and you just get shot <laughs> <Yeah>. five times <laughs> yeah it's it's, 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 like the, it's the, the high watermark yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it can't get any higher than that it's other than like I did my best and then die in a nuclear explosion <laughs> Um, yeah well, what's next for William H. Macy because Shameless is ending this year yeah that's true yeah. Um, he directs a lot he made a movie called Rudeless which got kind of good reviews mm. with I think Billy Crudup's in it yeah. and then he did two other movies which felt like kind of director for higher jobs yeah, where yeah. The Layover and it has like Alexandra Deodario from Baywatch and True Detective yeah, yeah. and I was like William H. Macy directed this and then he did another <laughs> movie with Rosario yeah. Dawson uh, I don't know I hope he continues to work with interesting yeah, directors yeah. I would like to see him re-team up with the Coen Brothers that would be or great, yeah. um, PTA he should be I'd in a Safety Brothers film mm. he'd be great in a Safety mm. Brothers movie I'd love to listen to an episode of this where we don't mention the Coen Brothers <laughs> no, totally. um, um, I'd love to see no, him show up in some sort of like A24 hot buzzy director mm, yeah, yeah. Someone like, like maybe like a, um, a Sean Baker or yeah Trey Edward Schultz or something like that yeah yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah. but um, I, I do enjoy him a lot in movies yeah, and yeah. Uh, I it's you you must be a good actor when you have basically cultivated a type which yeah, is worried yeah, man yeah. down on your yeah, look, you yeah, know? yeah. like that's yeah. his thing totally yeah. Saul um, where can people find more of your work anything you got to plug 
Um, I've got to plug uh, one or two things. Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Dear Drinks Man. There's new episodes every Tuesday. Also, I'm putting on a gig on the 22nd of February in Ancha because I make like a zine that has like um, poetry, short stories, essays, that kind of thing in it. We've been doing it for like eight years, me and my friend Bevan. And um, yeah, we're doing a gig to launch the next issue on the 22nd of February in Ancha. This will be out after that. Oh, cool. Well, then forget I said anything. Like <laughs> there'll be like a gig. I'm. I do this zine comes out four times a year. There's a gig. Uh, it'll happen probably in Ancha or somewhere like that. Keep an eye on Facebook for details. Uh, yeah, they happen four zines a year, four gigs a year. It's like a kind of a enmeshed sort of like the gig supports the zine. The zine supports the gig. They're always happening. We've done like nearly thirty issues at this nice. point. We've been running it since 2012. It's called This Is Not Where I Belong. Uh, yeah, check it out online. Andrew. You can find me at the <laughs> Headstuff Gaming section where we talk about what we play, how we play and why we play. Please do feel free to submit an article about any kind of gaming topic of your choice. As always, I'm the film editor for Headstuff. I don't have a catchy slogan. Uh, if you want to have something published, send it on to Headstuff email. <laughs> um, I also write for Hot Press and Travel Hour Magazine, so check them out. And yeah, rate and review and subscribe to this wherever you get Please podcasts. Do, yeah. We're on a five-star rating as far as I can see on uh, iTunes. But that's only because of two ratings, so I'd love to keep it at five stars, but, but with more ratings. I didn't rate if, it, so that was something... Neither did I. That's yeah, yeah. great. If you know that face, give us five stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, follow us on Twitter at I know that face P one yeah. and uh, send us an email at I know that face pod at Gmail if you have an actor you'd like us to cover on the show or you're somebody who works in journalism and film and who would like to be a guest yeah. and on that note see you later yeah. see you later bye. see you later did you say see you later bye bye <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network